0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: All right. We are privileged, honored, and absolutely grateful That Lave and Jennifer Hetland are here with us, and uh, I briefly shared a story last night. I'm going to make it even a shorter version today. Um, We we owe a lot to them, and I know they would say no, we don't. It's all God. Um, But let me just say, when we were in a really rough spot as a ministry, as a church, as a family, me as a person, uh, we we were building the church. My mama just passed away. We just had our third daughter. Uh, It was like the perfect storm in my life, and I had the fire of the Holy Ghost. I had I had I knew God I knew the power but I didn't know love of a father. So a friend of mine invites me to a church where Lev is speaking and um, and I reluctantly went uh, to encounter God in a new way I'd never encountered him the love of a father and I received an experience. That uh, We refer to as the baptism of love, just the love of a father, the acceptance of a father, new identity as a son and what sonship is. And this has been a really great journey over the last six or seven years, growing closer to the Lord in intimacy and him as a really good daddy. And, uh, and then we've had the privilege in so of building covenant relationship and family with Lave and Jennifer. So they're not only a mama and a papa to, to Nicole and I, but also to this house. So without further ado, we are just so honored and privileged. For both of you, thank you. We love you. Thanks for being here. I'm going to shut out now.
0: Merci beaucoup. Gracias. Tous Y'all are supernatural, right? You got all three of those? OK. Gracias is easy. Come on. The other two mean the same thing. So uh, this morning when I was contemplating the possibility of the possibility of sharing, because, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, you want to do something? Two minutes before church. (laughs)
1: Let
0: me entertain you. (laughs) Sure, honey, I'd love. Yes, absolutely. Give me that microphone. But I was thinking about a gentleman named Hezekiah. How many of you are familiar with Mr. Hezekiah? Really cool story as far as the sun going back, forward, whatever, give me 15 more years kind of stuff, right? Let me tell you a few little words that Hezekiah, that are said about Hezekiah. And this is all gonna tie together. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, that's clear, but you guys are definitely not. Man, Ooh, never been drunk, but I think it might feel like that. All right, so uh, these are words said about Mr. Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years, Who is mommy, daddy, et cetera, et cetera. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is in 2 Kings 18, if you want to follow along a little bit. According to all that his father David had done. Who was David? King David. And he was known as man after God's own heart. So these are pretty lofty things, right? Pretty cool. So we're gonna read a little bit farther. So you know the story. He um, was told by the prophet that he was going to die and he entreated God, could I have more time? You know, I'm 58 years old. And what I remember, what I noticed, what I encourage my young adult children and those people who are around me, you know, as you grow up, you're like looking to the next thing. I can't wait until, I can't wait until, and then you get to be my age and like, stop, slow down. I like my children now. You know, there are days you're like, ah, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, woo. And I'm sure my parents felt the same about my four, you know, my three brothers and I. And, I mean, I was perfect. But, anyway. Perfect out of fear doesn't mean necessarily great things, right? So, um, Hezekiah... Asked for these extra 15 years. And he said it will happen. And what is the sign? Do you want the sun to go back or forward on the stairs? And so it happened. And then Hezekiah did a little bit of a silly. All right. Your glasses on again. Into the board. He allowed some visiting dignitaries to see all that he had acquired. He was, you know, treasures, become pretty big man in his own eyes. And the prophet came and said, What did you show them? And he he was kind of bragging, Hey, look at what I got. Isn't it lovely? And the prophet said, Guess what? They're going to take it all, plus your sons. And the words that came out of this man, now you have to follow along with me. I have a very creative imagination. I think I've told you this before. So sometimes when I read scripture, I'm kind of a little bit outside of, because we're not told everything. It's not like watching Mary Tyler Moore and you get to see the backstories and everything's told to you, right? Y'all would go, who's Mary Tyler Moore? I see it in your eyes. (laughs) Okay, friends, which I don't really like. Okay, uh, anyway, I don't know anymore. But um, I wonder, You know, that little thing that's going around outside of time. But Hezekiah says words that really caused me to sorrow. And it's in chapter 20, and we're going to jump down to verse 19. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, Will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? And when I read these words, I think, you are a terrible dad. You were just told everything that you have acquired that we would like to think is for the next generation is going to be taken away. That your sons are going to be made eunuchs. And you say, no worries. At least there's peace in my time. This is a man who is known as being like David. A man after God's own heart. We have a responsibility as parents. We would like to think that we're good parents, that we're thinking about the generations to come, but are you? Do you know every choice we make has an effect on those around us? The generations to come and the generations after that. You know, I don't know if Leif will allude to it in this service, but last service, he talked about my affinity for graveyards. And it sounds really weird when he mentions it. It sounds perfectly normal in my head. When uh, I was a little girl, my father was in full-time evangelism. As I said, I had three brothers, and we didn't have screens, so you play, right? In the southern churches in Georgia, Alabama, the places that my dad would go and minister— around the church is a graveyard. And some brothers and I would play hide and seek in the graveyard. But then we made a game out of seeing who could find the oldest tombstone. Cause it was just, you know, just something, literally something to do. My mother didn't say go play in the graveyard. She didn't have to. So (laughs) I, I actually, my mom and I have a habit. My brother played college and football. We're going to a new town. We find a church and go walk the cemetery. And it's not morbid. It is not worshiping death or devil. It's a curiosity because again, my imagination goes to the places of what were their lives like? What did they do for a living? Did you have a wood burning stove? How do you regulate temperature in a wood burning stove? 350 degrees Fahrenheit, is that three logs? Four logs? Like just, what? but what humans could do The beauty of some of the churches. We were in England. There's a church that's been standing. For a thousand years. No warranty. And it's still there. The ingenuity of humankind. So there's a really cool thing. About the graveyard to me. But also the generations that come. But Hezekiah. Had a moment. I feel of selfishness. Of arrogance. And he said it's. It's. It doesn't matter as long as there's peace in my time. The next king was Manasseh. Manasseh came into power at the age of 12. So stop and think. Hezekiah asked for how many more years? 15. Manasseh was born in this 15. Right? Three years of that time, here comes baby boy Manasseh. Manasseh walked with this man, Hezekiah, who was known after, a man of God, uh, known after God's heart. But something was broken. And Manasseh became one of the most evil kings there ever was. Allowing his sons to pass through the fire. He rebuilt the gods, little G-O-D-S's. And our encouragement, you see the three chairs up here. Those of you who have heard Life's sermon... It's not just about us anymore. We're finished with give me what's mine. Let me keep it. Let me hoard it. And I might possibly think about the next generation or anybody next to me. We're done with that. It's time for a generation of people who with every action, with every intent of our heart, I'm thinking not only about. Lake Emanuel, Lila Ann, Courtney Rebecca, Catherine Nicole and those people that they love but also the other people that they love with every action and intent of my heart that I incline my spirit to the spirit of the holy living God and I say not today Satan not today you want to see mama bear rise up come after my babies And it's not just the ones I gave birth to, it's the ones that I fall in love with all over this world. Those of you who weren't here yesterday, when we stepped out of the airport in Norway, I smelled the air. And I remembered Christmases in Norway when we lived there for almost seven years. And they are a beautiful thing because it's a country with everybody does the same thing. You know, I love that our country is a melting pot, but we brought every culture of Christmas here. So we had enchiladas on Christmas Eve in my house. I was born in New Mexico. That was perfectly normal and acceptable to me. Why are you looking at me like that? Enchiladas, <laughs> sí, senor, con mucho gusto. In Norway, everybody eats rice porridge at noon. Everybody has pinachut for supper and stuff. It's strange stuff. Pinachut actually means stick meat if you wanted to know. It's lamb ribs, not much meat. Anyway, give me a rib in Texas or Georgia. I don't know. But everybody has the same tradition. So as I walk out of the airport and I suddenly thought about the fact that I'm not going to be with my little girls that are in Norway at Christmas. I'm like, God, why can't I be omnipresent? Because there is a longing in my heart. It's not just those baby girls, but it's everyone that I meet everywhere we go because of the spirit of the living God that connects us as family and loved ones. And I just had this thing of, it's not fair that you get to be with my girls and I don't. And he said, baby girl. I get to be with all of you. And that's his heart towards us. I am a human. And I have that longing. Can you imagine how much your heavenly father longs to be with you? In every situation. In every day. And everything that you put your hand to. There is no greater or lesser saint. There is no greater or lesser priest. So remember Hezekiah and don't do what he did. I borrowed these from him, so I have to give them back.
2: actually just listen to the story she was just sharing it started with a Hezekiah that was an Chernobyl one that was entrusted with the very kingdom and was one of the top two greatest kings but then eventually he ended up as a compromiser in Chernobyl two so the son that was born was born with a compromiser and as a result of that he ended up as the most evil king. And you see many of these moves of God's spirit. And it's part of the reason I, I love being here with this family because I'm seeing this generational move of God's spirit. When I'm watching the kids and watching parents together and seeing grandparents together in one setting and to see what was the ceiling of one generation is supposed to be the floor to the next generation. And they are just uh, building. And if you have three mm-hmm. generations, you will change a nation. And part of the things that has been burning in me, and I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts in regard to it. But it has been, I I do want to finish well. I I do want to finish well. I I want to live full and one day die empty. But I don't want to leave. And that was the story where my wife said when we were in Norway and we had just seen my parents just a few weeks ago and we dropped off our daughter and then we got to drive around the mountains and the fjords and and you could see the waterfall it was gorgeous fall color and eventually we started to get hungry and we tried to find some gas station just to get a hot dog or something to snack because we were going to see our daughter in Kristiansand, on the southern part of Norway. So we're heading from southwest and then we saw a little place called Kvinesdal. To make that story short is Kvinesdal was the very place also where I had I ended up in a car accident, August 2nd, 1998. So twice now we saw that's the spot where I almost died. So I think it was part of doing something with me. It was almost like a memory stone when I remember where I broke my back, my ribs, and then all the surgery and the whole life was changed from that moment. So I also went past some of those areas where you see those mile marker. But we went there actually to just eat and we had some shrimp sandwich. And then my wife again noticed the graveyard and his old church. I knew I had to follow to be a good husband (laughs) so I'm following her into the graveyard and it is raining and there's a little cold in there and then she's looking for the old grave and I realized I need to do something too while I'm in the graveyard so I saw this guy there and I I remember it was like a thought that came to me huh I I saw a living guy not a dead guy (laughs) I know there's a lot of walking dead right where we live. That's where they film it. So I'm like. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, we, uh, so we, I, I saw this guy when I was working on some of the graves, he was making gravestones. And, and I went up to him because it came to my mind a man named Aurel Edvarson. Honestly, don't raise your hand if you don't know. But how many of you have heard of Aurel Edvarson? I don't know if there's a whole lot of people in this room, but heaven knows about him. That name just came to my mind. I'd only met him once, and he spoke in the Baptist church where I was at. Uh, Many people would not know who he is, but heaven knows who he is. So it was just like it came to my mind. It's like, isn't that the area that he came from? And it's not long ago, but he died just 10, 12 years. No, excuse me, about 20 years ago, maybe, he died. So uh, I asked, where's his grave? And I went over to his grave, and I just got teared up. It was raining a little bit, and I'm looking at his grave, and I could see when he was born. I could see when he, was, when he died, and then it just hit my spirit. It did something with me, because when Ar- Edverson went to heaven, there was several million people that was in heaven, and they were just waiting for him. And when he came up, you could just see the multitudes from the different nations, from Saudi Arabia, from North Korea, from Pakistan, from all over the world. These multitudes after multitudes was there with gratitude. When Aurel Edvarson came up and because Aurel edvarson he lived full and he paid a price and he finished well, and then he also left a legacy. And so I just stood in honor because you honor the roots and you were being trusted with the fruits. So I just wanted to honor some of the roots that I'm coming from. So as I was sitting there and honor, and then I'm looking around at all these other graves, I took a picture of that grave, and then I looked at all those other graves, and then I started again to think, and my tears were there, because perhaps there is that book that was never written. I looked at all those different names, Oral Edwards, and I realized that this person, when he buried, as I'm saying, he continued to live on, and heaven is full, and nations are being impacted because of his life. But then I was thinking, there's that movie, perhaps, that was never created, or there's that business that was never started, and I just could feel this pain, and as I was looking around that graveyard, so many different people, they had good intention, but they didn't have clear direction. And intention, does your, intention doesn't take you towards your destiny. And then I started to reflect over different people. And I was thinking about Elijah and Elijah. And, and Elijah, we remember the story because Elijah was still burning and he was still on fire. So they, even at the moment when they threw him into the grave and they buried him. And often I've said this, I'm very, very sad because you have Elijah and then the double portion. Elijah, but it died with Elijah. But it didn't. And I read the same scripture verse again and again, and I really know he didn't die because somebody, when the enemy came in, threw a dead body into his grave and that person was raised from the dead. Because even when he was dead, his bones were still on fire. And here's another one that lived full and died empty. I was thinking about David. I was thinking about, and I just went through Joseph. And then I was thinking about, like my wife said, Hezekiah, I looked at all those people. There's some people that started well, but they didn't finish well. But it's something in me in this season. So I'm just sharing this now, both uh, being part of this family. I want to just put together a little bit of framework. What my intention is before this service is over in about uh, 35, 40 minutes is that every single one of us is going to step into the fullness of our identity to knowing who we are and whose we are. That we're going to be full of love. Say, full of love. Glory. Full of power. Glory. And full of wisdom. Glory. Sons and daughters of glory. Say, glory so that we can go from glory to glory and that we're going to leave a legacy. Let me just make a statement to you. When love works, life works. When life works, leadership works. When leadership works, legacy works. Let me say that again. So when you're stepping in and you learn how to love, well, that moves into homes, into children, into everything else. So when you learn how to love well, what you're gonna start to see, life starts to go well and it starts to flow, life will flow. Where life starts to flow, leadership, meaning to take what he has given us and to steward it, leadership works. And that also gives legacy. And I do believe that there's a legacy that I believe that each one of us have. And I was just even thinking about Even as Aaron took over the torch as a next generation. And then I'm looking at his girl, the third generation. And some of the kids that was here was just dream. What kind of a tip city can this be? I just want us to dream for a few moments. So I've been putting eight minutes, I'm putting a framework together. Then we're going to just look at a couple of scripture verses. And my goal then, as i say, this is going to be very different than the first service, but something just hit me in my spirit that is part of a bigger framework. So it's not going to be like last night, but it's going to be different. But my intention, and my goal for every single one of you is to stepping into this very place, to live full and one day die empty. I want to be as when we're coming to your grave, son, what are you going to be known for? And maybe you were just one of those people that nobody knows that led the future Billy Graham to Jesus. Because you just invested. So we do not know small is the new big. And low is a new high, so don't underestimate the small things that you're doing on a regular basis. Because there was someone that went right there when he didn't feel like it. It was a school teacher that just actually saw this little boy that was working in a shoe shop that had father hunger and father deficiency. And eventually that man became D.L. Moody. And if you trace the D.L. Moody from that Sunday school teacher that many people wouldn't know the name and you trace it, it's traced to Billy Graham. And you can just see what that Sunday school teacher, when he didn't feel like it, went and visited this young man. that didn't show up and that person led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. And then Billy Graham, probably the greatest evangelist that has ever lived. So I'm just putting this as a framework. So I have the three chairs. How many of you have seen me do the three chairs? Uh, That's why I'm doing it, because it's about half of you. I'm going to need your help. This is about uh, eight minutes and 12 seconds. Or the first part. Then you have part two. (laughs) This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Chair number one. Okay, let's try that again. Let me (laughs) me describe it. Everyone in this room, you are living your life from one of these three perspectives. My goal is before this is over, that you are going to be a chair number one believer. Say chair number one believer. Chair number one believer. If you're married, I want you to have a chair number one marriage. Say chair number one marriage. if you have children that you're going to raise up a generation of chair number one, children, if you run a business, it's going to be a chair number one business. And if you go to work on Monday, you're going to be a chair number one worker. So you will understand this in a few moments. I say chair number, one. chair number one. Oh, very good. This is chair number two. Which chair is this? Chair two. And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? The chair number one is all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. The Bible says, seek first his kingdom. Say his kingdom. kingdom. And His his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. The people that live the life in chair number one, they have prioritized something. And that is, I'm seeking first his kingdom. Not my kingdom, but his kingdom. And then it is his righteousness. And when I'm putting those things in order, all the other things in life will be added unto you. That is a pretty good mathematics. Yes. Hallelujah. You're seeking first and all these things will be added. Yes. It's just knowing what is coming first. So say it with me, say kingdom of God. Kingdom the Bible God. says, repent because the kingdom is at hand. The Bible says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. The people in chair number one can see the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of God. Look at chair number two. The kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but righteousness. Say righteousness. Right. Peace and joy Joy. in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. And when you are in the Spirit, there's righteousness, peace and joy that just flows from there. Chair number two is a little bit different. This chair is about the kingdom of self. Say kingdom of self. The people that are living their life in chair number two, it's about me. There is none like me. No, 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 no. The song is there is none like you. Yeah. No one else can touch my heart. So the people that are living in this life, it is about me. Like one lady came up to me in a an event, and she says, uh, I traveled all the way here to see you. And it was a two and a half hours. And but then the worship, went on for, the worship went on for almost two hours. And, and then I can be honest, I didn't like the worship. It was so loud. I said, that's OK. The worship was not for you, it was for him.
1: <laughs>
2: but this chair has been so much about me, 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 me. And you will find out, and I'm not going to go into the details, but this chair is, and I get so offended. And then this is the kingdom of the wall. Say kingdom of the wall. So again, when we're looking at the chair number one is the Spirit-filled life. Say Spirit-filled life. Yeah. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. And the fruit of the Spirit. If I squeeze somebody and I know if I squeeze you, what's in you comes out. And I know if we cheer you are in by just putting a little squeeze on. Because if it is just love and joy and peace that comes out. I know which chair you are in, but if I squeeze you here, and shame and guilt and fear or anger, you did or he did. Because when we are living in chair number one, we complete one another. In chair number two, we compete with one another. When you are in chair number one, you are rooted and grounded in love. Hey. When you are in chair number one, you're rooted. Ephesians 3.17. Your root and your foundation. You're rooted and grounded in love. 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 How high and deep and wide and long is Papa God's love for me? (laughs) So the people, you will find everything about chair number one there. And what is happening is your root system and your foundation is love. Excuse me. Uh, when you are in Chernobyl 1, you will find that the root system and your whole foundation is love. Faith. Your root system and foundation is? Faith. It is a love. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Baba. And the key to abiding here is how comfortable are you with love. Because that's how comfortable you are with God. Because God is love. 1 John four sixteen. And in verse 17 says, as I am, so are you in this world. When there's love deficiencies, the enemy pushes those buttons, bring you into chair number two. When you are in chair number two, this chair is rooted in fear. And when I'm in this chair, I have to be in control because that's what fear does. And then there is pain in your life and that pain always seeks for pleasure. And it is going to be two ways that chair number two would be manifested. Either in rebellion, say rebellion, or religion, say religion. Religion. You're either going to feed yourself with, I'm going to do this, because if I do, say I do, do. then I have, have." then I become. That's chair number two. Why chair number one is very different. Here is I am, say I am. I am. I I have, I do. Let me show you the difference again, here I do, I have, I become, this one is I am, I have, I do, I am, I have, I I do, it is not what you do that makes you who you are, it is who you are that makes you do what you do. In chain number two, you are living for love. In chain number one, you are living from love. And all the enemy is trying to do is just, in this season, is get us into chain number two because it's going to affect how this world is and the temperature of this world. And so part of what we are seeing here and what God is raising up in this house, at upper room, is raising up chain number one believers. Authentic, real. They are raw, real, relevant. They'll start to operate in love. Say love. love. Power. power. And wisdom. wisdom. That's glory. That's when glory is being released. When the conversions of those three things in you is becoming one. And when people don't know the difference between if this is love or power and wisdom, because they become one, just as Jesus. Let me just make a statement The Father loves you just the way you are. Say, The Father loves me just the way I am. But he refuses for me to stay that way because he wants me to be just like Jesus. And Jesus is full of love. He's full of power and he's full of wisdom. It's like a fish in water becomes alive, an eagle in the sky becomes alive. a son and daughter into the ocean of love become alive. And then from there, you can have as much power and wisdom as you're getting expanded in His love. So this is a culture where we're learning how to love well. And I'm not focusing so much on how from Chernobyl one to transform and disciple nation, changing cities. Because what I'm focusing now on is that 93% of the believers live their life in Chernobyl two most of the time. And the thing that what is happening is just in a simple way is say spirit, soul, body. That's an alignment and out of that there is rivers that flows out of you. And this teacher, you can find it in my call to rain book. The whole book is about channel one living and it's this thick. So I'm just not going into all the scripture verses, but say here spirit. Say spirit, Spirit. soul, Soul. Body. body, and there is shalom. There's life that flows and then love and joy and peace and the supernatural is natural. Chain number one, that's the evidence is here, is that the supernatural is natural. Yes. But when you're going into chair number two, what the enemy does is often fatigue us here. Huh, we get in chair number two. I'll give you just a simple example of it. Uh, a few years ago, I was speaking in Reading at the prophetic conference. And the two main speakers, a man named Sean Bowles, who's a very good friend of mine, and myself, we were the speakers. And Sean Bowles has this incredible gift. He is a chair number one prophet, by the way. How do you know? Because he comes from love. There are some prophets, they come from fear. And they give a diagnosis what's wrong with America. But the chair number one, they're coming with a cure. It's a whole different way of living and loving. Intercessors in chair number two are more orphans begging God to do what he's called us to do. We call it prayer, he calls it disobedience. So here's orphans, because if you don't have the relationship as sons and daughters with a good father, and knowing both the ways and the works of the father, sons and daughters full of the Holy Spirit, that represent the father, his ways and his works, let that be known, and then it's going to be healing of the nations. So anyway, so we were there, and I was sitting there listening to Sean, and he was prophesying, and the details was just so phenomenal. I'm sitting here, everybody, we're like, in wow. Not to just... But just that, that the Father loves these individuals so much. to give them so much details about their life. that brought such a transformation. Somebody that, it's not just that God had given them a gift. It's like if I give you a guitar, uh, that is maybe God's gift to you. That he has given you something. But what you do with that gift, that's your gift. To, that, that, what you do with that instrument, that is your gift to God. So I love when somebody learn learned how to master even the gifts that God has given them. So he gave you maybe a piano, but the way that you use that piano, that's your gift back again to him. So that's kind of the connection with the sovereignty of God and the free will of us. Anyway, so suddenly somebody just whispered and says, hey, Leif, you're going to have to follow that. (laughs) And in a moment, I didn't know. I went from chair number one to chair number two. How do you know? Because you start to compete with somebody. And I know I have only a few more minutes that I'm about to speak, but I'm in this chair. Now, as I'm saying here in chair number one, I'm anointed, say I'm anointed. But now in chair number two, I'm annoying. In chair number one, I have the dove, say dove. In chair number two, I have pigeons, say pigeon. And pigeon religion is very different because when I'm in chair number two, I see how big the giants are. But when I'm in chair number one, I see how big God is. It's a whole different way of living and loving. Sons and daughters, whoa. Because chair number one is about glory management. Say glory management. Chernobyl number two is about sin management. Saved, yes. Going to heaven, yes. But don't know how to bring heaven to you. So anyway, so when I realized that I'm in chair number two, and that happens often, airports, traffic in Atlanta. My wife is very seldom in number two, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am stuck in this chair and then what you do is say, repent. repent. Re and pent. You go back in the penthouse where you belong, you repent. <laughs> Why would you want to be in Chernobyl in the basement when you can be in the penthouse with Papa God? So while I'm sitting there, I went right back to this and I was like, wow, that's my brother, Sean. And by the time five, six minutes afterwards, when I was introduced and came up, I did actually the three chair message, but before I did, I say, Hey, when I was watching Sean and I'm so honored and so, wow, (laughs) that's my brother, Sean. And I looked at the family portfolio because when his stock went up, my stock went up because this is a family business. And it's a whole different way of living and loving. What would it look like here in this, when we are becoming so one, because love connects, fear disconnects, where no cancer cell could live, could live because cancer cells are divided, they, they divide, but love unites. That there's such a love, and we've only seen it a few times when the love is so great, we're trying to pray for people, but everybody's been healed because the present comes in. Where the immune system, the body of Christ is so healthy. That sickness and disease, that family are just being healed and restored. And, and then we have to deal with some people when they end up in chair two issue and dealing with the root of that fear, and then often then shame comes in, and then guilt comes in. So my desire is to raise up a whole generation of chair number one believers that are full of love, say full of love, full of, love. Full of, power. Full of power, and full of, full of wisdom. Now I'm putting this framework and then Five minutes outline of this sermon in 1st Kings 5 4 if you put it off 1st Kings 5 4 there is this incredible scripture verse and I believe this is for you it is for me it is something that we're dreaming of my dream if I'm saying the 73 old Leif Leifetland I'm 53 right now my dream will be to see 1 million sons and daughters in chair number one. There will be maybe husbands and wives and business owners and everything, but Chernobyl one that is full of love, full of power. They are living in such a way, John 17, four, where Jesus says, Father, I have glorified you here on earth and I finished everything that you called me to do. How many of you would like to live a life where you're living a lifestyle where you always bring glory to God. Amen. And then you're finishing everything he called you to do, not what he didn't call you to do. Right that's, right that, that, that's the verse that I'm feeling for my next 20 years. I want to live in such a way that people get to see the reflection of who my father is. I want everyone to know how good he is and how loved they are. I want everyone to experience a God just like Jesus. And what does love look like? What is power? What is wisdom? But in the scripture verse, if you're looking at 1 Kings 5.4, and this is kind of the story. My wife mentioned just David, but I, I love this because now you're looking at the next generation. And this is what makes me jealous. Imagine here where it says, but say it with me. But now the Lord my God, say that with me. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither. Say that one more time. One more time. Let me just give you the outline for what has happened here. Solomon, right before he starts to honor his father, David was always at war so that Solomon could inherit peace. One generation paid, the next one gets to play. But I, I want this to make you jealous here as upper room family. And I'm giving a challenge to this family. What would it look like to, for us to be able to give a legacy for the next generation? That if you're coming into Dayton, if you're coming into Tip City, if you're coming into Troy, if you're coming into this area, in a moment when you're coming in, no pain can live there. There is no cancer, the opiates has to be gone. Marriage is just being restored because there is such a shalom. There's rest on, how many sides? <gasps> all sides. Are all all over the city of Jerusalem. You cross right over here. There is cancer maybe on this side, but as soon as you cross in here, there's rest on? And there's no adversary, meaning all the demons of hell, all the fallen angels, they know in this whole region and area, not one of them have access in. And that's a lesser covenant that every single one in this room have. There's no adversary and not one evil occurrence. So all when you're reading the news, the news is all about how heaven looks like on earth. I I don't know if that provokes you, but it's done something in me that we're just finishing 17 chapters. in a nice little book that leads up to it. But it started with a sunset of Saul. say sunset. Then there was the sunrise of David. Say sunrise. Then David, he learned how to play a harp. Say harp. harp. And he learned how to use a sling. Say sling. sling. He learned how to be a worshiper. Say worshiper. Yes. And he learned how to be a warrior. Say warrior. Yes. He learned how to be a lamb. Say lamb. Yes. And he learned how to operate like a lion. Say lion. lion. A culture where the identity is the lamb, but the authority is the lion. And when you roar, people will gather, not scatter, because it comes from the Lamb's heart. So what we do here with worship and raising up a generation of lovers in our heart of the Lamb, and that's one of the reasons that David, he learned how to be faithful in the natural. Say natural. There was the Bethlehem season. Say Bethlehem. Amen. And that season in all of our life, we take people through a process where we learn how to be faithful in the natural. We learn how to be worshippers. We learn how to be warriors. Then David went to the cave of Adullam. Say Adullam. Adullam. We learn how to be faithful in the middle of our needs. Then Hebron. Say Hebron. 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 We learn how to be faithful in relationship. We learn how to be faithful with covenant. And then say Zion. Zion. That's where you learn how to be faithful in ruling and reigning. And this is my heart for every one of us like Aurel Edvarsen. That had mastered that heart. And it didn't matter who in the Middle East, something was going on. You could take somebody with a heart that could change the environment. So when there was fear in the community, you just bring one with a heart in there and that perfect love will cast out fear. Yeah. To raise up these culture changers in Chernobyl one, they can suddenly be giant slayers, say giant slayers, giant slayers, uh, slayers they can suddenly solve some of those giants that are in Chernobyl three and my heart will be that. You will make it hard for people to go to hell. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. That you will live and love in such a way from chair number one. The biggest reason people are in chair number three is because of chair number two. Right. And the reason this world has a view of God that does not look like Jesus is because this chair. And my heart will be even just this morning for us as we are thinking. What would it look like? Let's dream. I'd rather fail. I read it when I'm 73. I've seen a million names being added to the Rams book of life. Been to 100 nations so far. Broken Norwegian, opiates addiction for 11 years, all these surgery tumor and you could just go to all my dysfunction. And I can see some of those things in David's life. But in the middle, I just see the goodness and the faithfulness. We've been married for 30 years. Just to see what God is doing and now thinking about Catherine and Courtney and Leif Emmanuel and Lyle and Ravon but also thinking about the rest of them that, hey imagine that we paying a price so that you don't have to have suicide bombers going into movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And this is part of the reason we are going into the Middle East, I'm living the rest of my life for the generation I cannot see and so my invitation today is just very, very simply Just as David, that you will go through the processes, learning to use your harp. Say harp. And I just saw that this is going to be a worshiping community. Every problems that you see out there, you can find a solution in the face of God. Let me say that every problem that you have out there, including the opiates and everything else. The answer is found in the face of God. There's something you're going to reflect in his face. It always looks like love. But then it will be demonstrated in power and wisdom as we're starting to solve some of the problems that the society have from that resting place. So there's all these giant slayers and I, did, I know this is a 12 hour seminar, aren't you guys. You are so amazing and you listen so fast and I had the opportunity, but can you see it? So when I'm in this chair, I'm not hearing his voice clearly. Because it doesn't mean that Papa doesn't speak, but it has to filter this way through my emotion, will, mind, personality to touch my spirit. But when I get right back here in alignment, life flows. Love flows. <laughs> because you rest, receive, become, release. You rest, receive, become, release. I want us to stand up to our feet. I know we but I just felt we we're supposed to go after a couple of Giants here because whoa! Anybody here that have a giant in your life and let me describe what that means. Yeah, a giant. I have a giant right now and I just want you guys even us just to pray for me before we are heading to Columbus, Ohio. So let me be honest with the family. I I have a sciatica here that last that I had surgery and a while back and then now it is kind of a bone to bone and this nerve is just in my lower back and this leg so even this morning I was trying to for a long time just and it is constantly there I go to bed and the giant is there I wake up in the morning the giant there and that you know it is a giant so I had that and then I have this shoulder because I was bitten by a scorpion ever since that so now I can this is locked up something here in the shoulder so you have some of those giants but when you have a giant slave, so what I want you to do is to name your giant. Because for every giant, there is a name. And when you find the name of your giant, God has a name for it. So when David called and he looked at Goliath, a Goliath was in the front of him and was trying to step between him and his destiny. And there's giants in a home or giants in our marriages or giants in our finances. There could be giants on the inside in chair number two. That you're facing a giant. Just see that giant in the front of you. And then you're going to find a name of God. And Aaron mentioned the name. So when David said, Jehovah Sabaoth was the name that he used. And what he used is, the Lord is my warrior. He didn't say, God is my healer here, or God is my provider, Jehovah Jireh. He used, God is my warrior. At that moment, the war was over in the spirit realm. Amen. So when you can just recognize the I am in your situation. So God says to me in our life, Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that heals you, and there's healing in that name, and that giant has to go. So I just want us to, for a second right now, I just want you just to see if there's any giants in your life. There can be giants in the cities, but right now I felt specifically in church two Things that brings us in. If you wake up in the morning, the giant is there, and you go to bed, the giant is there. Can you just come up, and we're going to release you now at one o'clock. But I felt there that we're going to go after some giants because I've had a giant that has been irritating me. for <laughs> uh, we, we were in Birmingham, Alabama, Randy Clark, and I and I, I was doing pretty okay. I've been traveling all over the world. And just a few weeks ago, then, I had this big person that fell on me front way. So I was just went this way. And then somebody else, 300 pounder, pulled me back. And since then, I've had this, and it is not okay. I'm going to the Philippines a day after I'm going home. And then I'm heading to Pakistan, and I'm not going to have that giant with me. And so I'm want you to. So i saying that as, I, as you agree with me, but I'm also agreeing with your giant. I'm a giant slayer yeah. and with a serpent that's bitten me is where I have authority. Yeah. So I want us for a few moments, we're just going to enter into worship and we're going to focus on who he is. But anybody that have a giant in your life can be anxiety, can be fear, can be finances, can be health. Okay, meaning something that you're facing where you need a breakthrough, something bigger than yourself and you need God. Need to come back to that resting place and just take that harp and just start to worship Him. So when we're coming in here, we start to see how big He is.